Good morning. My name is Jason Doman. I'm one of the pastors here at Alpine Church. Uh, Special welcome if you are joining us online. We are glad you are here today. It is such an honor and a privilege for me to come to Layton Campus. Uh, This is where I came to faith, and so I just have so many memories here, so many uh, faces that I enjoy seeing. So uh, thank you for allowing the youth pastor to be part of what you guys are doing here, uh, even though... You may not be thanking me later. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. So uh, we are surprised in the book of Mark still. We have been there since the beginning of the year. And honestly, like for me as a pastor, as a teacher of God's word, this has been an amazing year. This has been such a cool way for us to go through the book of Mark. I hope it's been uh, useful for you guys. I hope it's been enlightening and I hope it's been uh, kind of pivotal in, in your life. Uh, the way we've been going through it a little bit slower, a little bit more methodical, taking some time to, to really dig into Jesus and, and throughout Mark's gospel. And so today we're going to be focusing on another story uh, that involves children. And this time the disciples, they were trying to keep the little children away from Jesus. And the Bible says that in response to that, Jesus was indignant, okay? And and so uh, the the ironic thing is that children and those who share their qualities are the only ones who make it into the kingdom of God. And so we're going to dig into this this scripture passage and uh, really see what that means, see what Jesus has to say about little children. So go ahead and open your Bibles to Mark chapter 10 uh, or or your Bible app if you want to follow along that way. But let's, let's dig into this thing. So Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 13, it says, And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant, and he said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. So if we contrast this to a couple weeks ago, back then we saw that the children were kind of second-class citizens, right? They didn't really contribute a whole lot to society. They had nothing to offer. Now, our culture honestly revolves around children a little bit, right? As a parent, you're like, okay, so I need to go to the store and get milk and toilet paper, uh, but while I'm doing that, I need to take kid number one to three different dance lessons, and at the same time while I'm doing that, I need to take kid number two to soccer, baseball, football, and lacrosse practice. They both just told me their shoes are too small. Kid number two lost his mouth guard, right? And there's all these things going on when you're trying to just do adulting because honestly, our, our lives revolve around our kids' schedule sometimes, but that's, that's, that's not how it was back then. Now, these children that we see in this story, they, they, they were not teens or preteens, okay? They, they weren't little demon spawns with attitude and, and sass like, like our teenagers, okay? They, they, they were small and sweet, right? It says that Jesus was able to take them up in his arms. And so if we read about this same story in the Gospel of Luke, he actually refers to them as, as little children, okay? So we know they're, they're probably between, between two and, and five years old. Now, it should be noted that this was a very common practice, okay? Parents would often bring their kids to the religious leaders, to a rabbi, to, to get them blessed. So this, this wasn't something odd that was happening. This was very normal. And so uh, what I want us to think about today as we get into this is, is what does it mean to be like a child? What does it mean to be like a child? I, I would say this is a pretty important question because Jesus' main point here is that whoever does not receive the kingdom like a child, cannot enter it. 
So what does, that, what does that mean? What does it mean to be like a child? And it says that he was indignant that the children were being turned away. The children matter to him. His, his indignation makes this point even more clear. In fact, this is the only place in the entire Bible where it uses this Greek word to, to mean indignation to, to refer to Jesus. So that tells you a little bit about his mindset. It's the only place we see that. And so I, I, I would say that this is a great time for me to do a shameless kids church plug. This is why we believe so strongly in kids' church. Jesus made it very clear that kids are important to him. He wants them to know who he is. And so every year we, we do this, we do this push. We need volunteers for, volunteers for kids' church. If you've never served in kids' church, it's so fun. Okay, like it's, it stinks a little bit, but it's, it's so, it's so much fun. And I promise you, you will grow in ways that you never thought you would. You will grow as much as the kids do, just being in there and experiencing Jesus with them. So if God is putting that on your heart at all, or if I can just guilt you into it, whatever, I'll, I'll take either, okay? We need, we need like 30 people to sign up to help make kids' church work, so we could really use some extra volunteers. So that's my, that's my shameless plug. Uh, when, when Jesus says, like a child, let's, let's first make sure we understand what he's not talking about, okay? Because what he's not talking about is innocence, okay? Little children are not innocent, they're not sinless, right? Every single one of us is born with a sin nature. And so it doesn't mean that we need to come to Jesus completely innocent in order to, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. He's also not talking about ignorance, right? Obviously, adults know more than little children, most of us, right? But it's, it's not saying that you need to be ignorant to come to Jesus. The Bible calls for discernment of truth. Jesus tells us that we should love the Lord our God with all of our mind, okay? So it's not about being ignorant. It's not about being innocent. The issue that Jesus raises here seems to be this. What is unique and admirable about little children but not often found in adults? And I think that could end up being a pretty long list, but we've narrowed it down to just three things that, that we think are important that, that Jesus is pointing out about being a child, and the first one is this, unpretentious. Okay, children are not pretentious. Children are not in the business of, of posing as someone that they're not. God is looking for people to come as they are, and with children, what you see is exactly what you get. Right? There, there, is, there is no holding back. But the disciples here, we see the disciples in this, in this picture, they're, they're pretending to be something that they're not. They seem to think that somehow they're, they're like the official gatekeepers to get to Jesus, and that's not the role that they were called to fill. And, and maybe they just wanted people to think that they were important, right? And so they, they're kind of putting on this facade. But let's look at the, a, a similar situation in the Gospel of Matthew. This is Matthew 18, beginning in verse 1. It says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so I think when we see this question here, this, this who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, I think it reveals a little bit about a heart issue going on with the disciples. 
little bit of, a little bit of argument, a little bit of thinking there, high and mighty kind of thing, right? And Jesus answers them. He, he brings a little child in front of everyone, and he says something very similar to what we, what we see today in Mark chapter 10. Unless you become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The question was, who is the greatest in the kingdom? Right? And, and, and this child, he was, he was never trying or, or pretending to be great. He had no idea that, that Jesus was going to pull him into this situation. So there was no ambition, no pride, no arrogance, no hypocrisy. And then Jesus adds, he, he says, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest. And so the issue is really humility. The issue is, is humility, right, which is, is the, the opposite here. So I love what Jesus is, is, is pointing out. And just, you might have noticed here that, that Mark says kingdom of God in his gospel. Matthew says kingdom of heaven. They're both the same thing. They're both talking about the same thing. But Mark's uh, audience was more geared towards the Gentiles, where Matthew was writing more towards the Jewish audience. And the Jews, they would never say the name of God out loud. And so just to be more reverent, Matthew's gospel refers to as kingdom of heaven versus kingdom of God. So that's just a little trivia knowledge for you guys. But in another place in, in Matthew, Jesus elaborates on this idea of unpretentious humility. He says this in Matthew eleven twenty five. 25. It says, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. So he draws this clear line. He makes this, this clear contrast between these two groups. Right? We have the wise and understanding on one side and then little children on the other side. And, and the, the difference is that the wise and understanding people, they are people who have confidence in themselves, confidence in their knowledge, confidence in their, in their own abilities, where we don't see that with the little children. And so you enter God's kingdom by, become, by coming just as you are. Okay, just as you are. That's, there's no pretense, there's no faking, there's no padding your resume. And, and honestly, this flies in the face of religious people everywhere. Right, because we're, we're so prone to, to wanting everyone to think that we have it all together when it comes to God. And so this looks completely different than that. Okay, so that's the first thing. They're unpretentious. The second thing about children is that they are powerless. Children are powerless. They're completely dependent on the adults around them. And I will say this, though. Some of my favorite moments with my boys growing up was when they decided that they were going to do something on their own. Like, they were going to take charge and do it. And as a parent, you try to be supportive, right? And you, you know that there's a, a disaster about to happen. But you, you're there just in case. So you can jump in before the last minute, right? Those are some of my favorite moments of my, of my boys growing up. And so I love to watch them get it in their head to think that they're going to do something on their own. But in this picture here, there's this implied contrast between the disciples and the children that they're turning away. See, it, it, it says that the disciples are rebuking those who are bringing their children to Jesus. And rebuke is, it's, it's a really strong word, okay? It, it basically implies here that the, the disciples, they're kind of throwing around their weight a little bit, right? They're, they're thriving. They're getting a big head on this little bit of power that they have. And that contrasts sharply with the powerlessness of the children, right? The children have zero control in this situation. Like, think about how powerless children are. Think about how powerless children are. Right? They, they, they can't prepare food for themselves, they can't dress themselves, 
at least not in a way that you would want to be seen in public, right? They can't transport themselves. They stick things in light sockets. Like, I guess you could argue that that would give them some power. (laughs) But what's more is that the children are generally pretty content to be dependent on people. Right? Like, they're okay with that. We don't see that with adults. Children are like, they're content to let you carry them around. They're content to let you feed them. They're content to let you clean up after them. And some adults are probably content to let you clean up after them as well. But the lesson here is that only those who embrace their weaknesses are candidates for the kingdom of God. People who think they measure up to God's standards are automatically excluded. The Bible says, for all have fallen short of God's glorious standards. All of us, every single one of us. So religious people, they don't have the truth revealed to them until their lives start to crumble under the weight of proving their worthiness, under the crushing demands of of trying to earn something from God. I love Paul's words here to uh, the church in Corinth. He says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, For consider your calling, brothers, Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. God chose the foolish. God chose the weak. God chose the low and despised of the world. And so the result, what we see from that is that there's going to be a lot of wise people, a lot of strong people, a lot of people who think they have it all together, who approach God on that basis, thinking that they're getting into the kingdom of heaven, and they're going to be shamed. They're going to be turned away, because that's not how it works. So if you've been following along these, these, these past few weeks, you might, you might have picked up on this irony that the disciples right here, they're, they're thinking about the children in the same way that the Pharisees have been thinking about them. Right, you guys, you're, you're nobodies. You have no power or, or authority. You're not, you're not worthy to be here. But as we keep seeing and we keep reading over and over, it's not about being somebody. It's not about having power and authority. It's not about how worthy you are. Because, spoiler alert, you're not. I'm not. We're not worthy for what Jesus did for us. I think Paul says it best in Romans, Romans 5, 6. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. We're not saved by God's grace after everything we can do. We don't do our, the best that we can and then Jesus picks up the slack. We can't do anything because we are utterly helpless sinners. We don't contribute anything to what Jesus did. That's why we only enter God's kingdom because of what Jesus Christ did. He came at the right time and he died for us. In Mark 10, Jesus, he, he didn't welcome the children because of their virtues, because of everything they, they bring to the table. He welcomed them because of, of the things they lacked. 
They're small, they're powerless, they're unsophisticated, they're, they're overlooked. And in that same way, God is looking for people to join his kingdom who are willing to admit their weaknesses, who will own up to their desperate need for a savior. So children are unpretentious, they're powerless, and they're recipient. They are able and willing to receive. Children are not contributors, okay? All they do is take, take, and take. And that's the point Jesus was making. He, he singled out one thing about the children. The issue is how they receive the kingdom of God. And Jesus says they do receive it, and if you don't receive it like them, you won't have it. If you don't receive the kingdom of God like a child, then you will not enter. Jesus is talking about how a child receives something that's offered to them. And I think about birthdays and, and, and Christmas, right? Children, they, they, they receive gifts with so much excitement. We've all seen a kid just get super hyped up, right, as they're opening a present. They think they know what it is. It's exactly what they asked for, right? They open it. It's the best thing in their life, and they, they run, and they give somebody a big hug, and then they want to spend time playing with that thing or playing with the person who gave it to them, right? If you guys know my beautiful wife, Lacey, that's her. Like, she is exactly like that. Every gift she's ever gotten is the best gift she's ever received. She is the easiest person in the world to shop for, you guys. So if you ever want to buy Lacey something, a gift, it doesn't matter what it is, okay? She, she is excited for, for everything. And so we see that, like that, the way a child receives a gift, the excitement, the, just everything surrounding that, right? Like, so it, the, the, a lot of people have tried to explain this idea that we're talking about here as, as faith. They say that, that, that kids receive a gift by faith. Now, I can't find anywhere in the Bible where we are exhorted to have childlike faith. Okay, I can't find that anywhere in the Bible. I don't think having faith like a child is the same thing as having childlike faith. Okay, if, if, if hopefully that makes sense. If not, come, come talk to me after, okay? But, but what we do observe in life is that the children have this this different level of trust. There's something unique about this level of, of trust that children have, when, especially when they're receiving something, when a gift has been offered to them, right? So along those same lines, the Bible says this in Ephesians 2, chapter, eight, or chapter 2, verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. God's kingdom is a gift. And it's ours by, by simple faith, by trusting in Jesus and what he's already done for us on the cross. And so the point here is that the children are receptive. And likewise, God is, is looking for people who delight in him and who trust that what he has to give is, is good. Okay, God's not looking for people who are trying to make, make a, a contribution to their own credit. He's not looking for people who are trying to, to tip the scales in their favor. But people who, like little children, are simply open to receiving what is offered to them. Love what it says here in, in Hebrews chapter 12. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. 
So here's how we enter God's kingdom. We receive it. We simply receive it. And we do so, and that creates in, in our hearts a, a, a gratitude and, and a worship, a desire to please God, a yearning to, to live a life that's honoring to him. And we go to God's word and we find out what pleases him and we try to do that. We try to live in a way that honors God with everything that we do. And so when you approach God, when you think about entering God's kingdom, what's, what's your posture? What's your, what's your posture? Is it a posture of doing? Look at everything I've done. Look at all the things I've accomplished. Look how worthy I am. Me, me, me. Or is it a posture of simply receiving? Of simply receiving what God is offering to us. So what does it mean to be like a child? What does that look like? And here's the reality of of what Jesus is, is getting at. See, by nature, humans have nothing to offer to God. There, there, there is absolutely no reason based on anything that's in us or anything that we have done that God would want to invite us into his kingdom or include us in his family. It's all about Jesus. It's all about what he has done because every single one of us has offended God. Every single one of us has sinned against God's law. Every single one of us has violated his holy character. And so we have to come to him like little children. Now what's funny is the Bible actually calls us children of wrath. Ephesians 2, 1 1 through 3. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Children of wrath. But here's the good news, you guys. We don't have to stay as children of wrath. We can become children of God. We can be adopted into the family of God when we receive Jesus like a child. John 1.10. He came into the world, he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him. He gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So where do you stand with Jesus today? Are you still kind of on the outside looking in? You know, as the youth pastor, I get... I get the opportunity to talk with a lot of students who are preparing for college. And if you're going to go to a a big college, a highly ranked college, like you better be bringing 4.0 GPAs, you better have outstanding test scores, you better be involved in extracurricular activities, community service, probably some form of athletics, right? And And if that's you, if that's you, you're preparing that resume, you look just like every other student applying to that college. And the reason I I bring that up is because sometimes we think that's what it takes to get in good with God. Is that we have to build up our resume. 
So it's, I go to church every week, I follow all, all the rules, all ethics, morality, I serve in church, I pay my full tithing, I try to be a good neighbor, I try to be a good spouse, right? I must have something on my resume that qualifies me more than other people. Surely I've earned God's love and respect by now. I'm doing everything that I'm told to do. But that's not how God set it up. That's not how it works. You don't have to build a better resume. You don't have to have a, a better application. You don't have to test well. You don't have to interview well. You have to come to God, unpretentious, powerless, and willing to simply receive. If you're wondering, what is it that I have to receive? See, God knew that we would be stuck here in our sin. And sin is just a churchy word, right? It's just when you do your own thing instead of God's thing. You know the way God wants you to go. You know the, way, the choice God wants you to make, but instead you say, I'm going to do my own thing. I've got this, God. I know better than you. That's what sin is. And the problem with sin is that it destroys our relationship with God. God is holy. He cannot be in the presence of sin. And so there had to be a way to solve that. There had to be a way to fix that so that we could be in God's presence. And he knew we would never be able to do it on our own. And so he sent his son, born of a virgin, lived this humble life. For 33 years, he was sinless. Like 33 years without sin. We can't go 33 minutes. And he lived a perfect, sinless life. And that wasn't enough. He allowed himself to be captured, to be mistried, to be mistreated, to be tortured, to be spit on, to be beat, to be whipped. And then he allowed himself to be murdered on a cross for us, for our sin. Hear me out, you guys. Jesus is God. Jesus could have stopped at any point. It could have been over with. But he loves us so much that he wanted to be obedient to his Father's will. And he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the cross for you. I'm sinless. I'm blameless, I've done nothing wrong, but I'm going to pay the price that we all owe. That's what we have to receive. That's the gift we have to receive. And it's, it's free. God loves us enough that he gave us a way to be forgiven of our sins so that we could spend eternity in heaven with him. And when we receive that like little children, we get that opportunity. And so my hope and my prayer today is that that will come into focus for you. That you can really take an inventory of your life, that you can really sit back and think about, how am I accepting Jesus? What does my life look like? Am I coming to him on my own terms? Am I coming to him with my accomplishments and everything that I've done? Or am I coming to him like a little child? No pretense. Powerless ready to receive a gift that God is willing to give us just based off of his grace. Let's pray together. Father God, we're just amazed by who you are. God, we're amazed by this love that you have shown for us, God. And we have no way, there's no words to express the gratitude, the thankfulness. God, those don't do it justice at all. 
for us to really show you how much we appreciate you and what you've done for us. So God, I pray just for anyone in this room, for anyone who's, who's really struggling to, to, to do this, God, to, to come to you as a child, we're so easily, we're prone to, to pride, God. We're, we're, we're prone to look at our accomplishments and, and, and think about all the things that we've done and somehow, somehow believe that those things make us worthy for you. And God, while there, there's people in this room who have done so many amazing things, so many great things in this world, those aren't what matter when it comes to the kingdom of heaven. So God, let us, let us turn our lives to you. Let us turn our hearts to you. And let us boldly go out and be little children, God. To be willing to accept this amazing gift that you have for us. And let us love like little children, God. Let us, let us love like your son. Unconditional, God, with the goal of pointing people to you with the goal of letting people know that they have a Savior, that they need a Savior. God, thank you for just for who you are, for being worthy of our praise. God, we're not worthy, but you are. So we lift it up to you, God. We give our time to you. In Jesus' name, amen.